Now, Jesus ascended back to heaven uh, nearly 2,000 years ago. Um, in fact, if he was crucified in AD 30, then we're seven years off 2,000 years from that event. Um, so there's lots of reasons to believe that we're very close to his return. So if this is the end of the church age, what would it look like? That's the question. And why are we even asking this question? Because you are the church that will come to the end and you and me will be the greatest expression of the church. Over the last 2,000 years, it all comes to this. We are going to be, you are alive today, you are a part of the church that will be the greatest expression of the church that's ever been. Now, of course, the world thinks it knows what the church is. Isn't that lovely? The church, you know, people, sorry, in the world, they can drive past and they know what a church is because it's, got a, it's a building with a pointy roof and maybe a bit of stained glass. We do too, you know. Sometimes there's a cross. There's usually a cross somewhere associated. But they know when they drive past, that's a church. They don't know that you're the church. But even though they know that, what they don't do is that they don't stop, walk in and go, hey, you guys obviously have the truth. Please tell me. That very, very rarely happens. Is that right? But we know what the church is. In Matthew 16, Jesus had just asked the disciples, so who do people say that I am? And, Pe- and, and so they said a few, few things. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, on that rock of that revelation of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that, you know, for years I used to, in my mind's eye, we're talking with Murray there about visualising stuff. And in my mind's eye, I used to see the church bunkered down, you know, shield of faith. Like this, and the onslaught of the gates of hell coming against it. Until I actually really read, read the scripture, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Gates don't move. Gates are stationary. It's the church that comes against the gates and they can't prevail. They can't withstand the advance of the church. It's the gates that fall apart. All right. Um, so in that, so that's the very first reference in Scripture of the word church in the English translation. And I won't go into all the the contorted how it got to that word in English, but it the word in Greek was ecclesia, which means called out ones. So we are the ones who've been called out of the world. All right. So what can we? expect or look forward to so the last days are going to be um, it's called the last days because it's the build-up of world events that that are going to come to a end point basically it's going to be a war in the physical collected armies of you know the revived roman empire you know whatever will come against um, israel the little tiny nation of israel all that might will come against that that's in the physical. In the spiritual, of course, it's an ongoing war between the dragon, the beast, the false prophet coming against the king of kings. Who wins? Okay. The church wins. Jesus wins. Um, they, you know, the, the, 
the way it's working out out there in the world is that all this onslaught is coming against the church. Does the church fall apart? No. All right. Um, so the church started in the book of Acts, small and pure. It's going to end strong and unified and refined. Yeah, of course, the world doesn't understand any of that. So when the world thinks about the church, it sees an organisation. And as Matthew was talking about, we, we are an organisation. We, we have to have an organisation to hold property, pay wages, pay the electricity bill, etc. But the world thinks that that is what it is. It's an organisation. And because of that, it thinks it actually can control the church, controls the religious organisation of it. And because it has rejected the claims of Christ, therefore when we proclaim the claims of Christ, it rejects what we say. Um, and do you know that you know, the world views Christians, people who go to church, like you this morning. You're a bit doughy, really. You know, Here's a Sunday morning, it's a beautiful day out there, and where are you? What's happening in your head? You know, why are you here? It's a beautiful day. You could be playing sport or something important. Pubs are open somewhere. Unfortunately, the world has a lot... Um, their thinking is based a lot on reality because there are many Christian-based organisations that call themselves a church that have become just like the world and as such have fallen prey to all of its... Um, its lures and its lies and its deception and have exposed all of that stuff to the world. And the world, funnily enough, the world pursues... You know, when, when the church does something wrong, the world pursues it relentlessly to prove how wrong it is, and they're usually right. It should be the church who is pursuing that stuff to make sure it is, remains pure, but it doesn't tend to do that. The world does it and exposes that stuff. doesn't make the world right anyway. Um, what the world does expect us to do is preach love and acceptance. It doesn't like it when we preach judgment and accountability and um, eternal punishment. And the more the church preaches to keep the peace, the more the world owns it. So the world only sees the church as its willing servant. Um, uh, so we know that in the, in the last days, um, religion is going to play, you know, f can I say false religion? Or can I, perhaps better to say, the compromising you know, side of it um, is going to play a major role because we know that, that um, the beast or the antichrist, his offsider, his 2IC, is a religious false prophet. Um, so I know that. And there's been um, examples of this in the past. In Nazi Germany, um, they completely took over the Lutheran church and the Lutheran church became an extension of their rhetoric. They pushed their lies and the Lutheran church fell into line with that and they eventually later repented of that. Um, and in my opinion... The church in China, or China itself, is like a mini version of where the world is going. Because in China, um, uh, 
uh, if if you want to attend the recognized church, I think it's called the, the Three Self Patriotic Movement. Um, that's the only church that it allows. Um, if you want to really connect with God properly, then you will be in the hidden church. Um, and um, so when I was saying before that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, that hidden church, that church that's not allowed in China, uh, they estimate over the last 40 years has grown from a million believers to 100 million believers. In fact, they say there's more believers in China than there is in America. You know? And it's under persecution. Go figure. All right. Now, um, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, to complete that little verse, that the, hell, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he goes on and says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is our reality. This is where we're living. The thing is that being a member of the church, so coming out of the world in salvation and becoming a member of the church, it's the only game in town. It doesn't matter whatever else you do. You can have the most amazing career. You can have the biggest bank account in the world. It won't matter. It only matters whether you are a part of the church or you're not. Because on that day when you eventually part company with your body and then you stand before God, the only thing that will matter is were you a part of the body of Christ. That's the only thing that will matter. The only thing that matters right now at this minute in all of the world is are you saved or are you not that's the only thing. Becoming a part of the church, that's the only thing. So what we're doing here this morning is actually the most important thing that you could possibly do on a Sunday morning. That's, this is it. Now, of course, sitting in reasonably comfortable chairs, um, listening to someone rub it on is not really what church is about. You know, church is about living the life out there 24-7. That's the thing. Okay, so you're just stuck here for now. Okay, um, so in the, um, just going on with that thought, in the Old Testament, so uh, that's like a type, so in the Old Testament, there was only two kinds of people, there were Jews and then everybody else, right? that's how they saw it, and those, everybody else were just called Gentiles, but there's a, um, you know, the truth of it, as Paul brings out, especially in the, in the book of Ephesians, he brings out that, um, the mystery that has been hidden is that the, you know, there is the church, which is the body of Christ. And so now, in the church age, there are only two kinds of people. There's the church and everybody else. So the whole point of the call of God on those who are in the church is to bring as many of those people out of that into this. That's the call. Okay, um, All right, so I'm moving on, moving on. As the church is literally the body of Christ on earth and Christ the head in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father, the full flow of the authority of Christ is flowing to the church to itself and then through the church to the lost world. So, number one, the, the church, the role of the church is to continue the ministry of Jesus. So when Jesus walked around on earth, the thing that's sometimes it's not clear and you don't kind of get it because you kind of see Jesus 
being confronted all the time by enemy forces. You know, the Jews didn't like him, especially the religious um, elite didn't like him, um, and they worked their butt off to make life difficult for him. And then at some point they said, no, no, we've got to get rid of this guy. And then they started to plot and plan his demise. And it's kind of like in some cases you think, Jesus, you're not really aware that what they're doing, you know, what their plan is. But the truth of it is that Jesus came for a very specific purpose. He came to uh, establish the way to be saved, which meant going to the cross. So they weren't doing stuff to him. God had a plan and he was simply fulfilling the plan. And all that they were doing was actually just fulfilling that plan. In fact, I think it was the high priest at the time and they're all trying to bring up false accusations and, and, the, and the high, high priest gets annoyed and he sends them and says, you people, you don't know anything at all. It's better for one man to die for the nation than for all of us to die. Prophesying exactly what was happening. And even though he prophesied it, he didn't get it. So, um, so that's the same as us. We're on a mission. We have a calling and we're fulfilling that mission. And it doesn't matter what the world does. It can't withstand what is happening. So the church is continuing Jesus' ministry. Um, so Jesus, you know... The, the thing I love about when you read in the Gospels, Jesus, you know, he would walk into a place and the demons would shriek. You know? And Jesus would walk and he would, you know, people would gather around him because they, you know, loved what he was doing. And he wouldn't leave anyone unhealed. In fact, I think there's one passage, I, I couldn't find it now, but where it says even the maim, not just the lame, but the maimed, which means that you're missing something. You're missing a leg or an arm or something. And he healed them all. I can't imagine kind of like Freddie goes down, he heard Jesus coming in town and he goes down and he's got one leg but he comes back home to mum and he's got both legs. Can you imagine the conversation around the kitchen table? You know, Who was that? Right. Um, okay. Yeah, so the dead arise, the deaf hear, the blind see, the, the lame walk. Um, the gospel is preached. Tables were literally overturned. And when Jesus actually started his ministry, he started out, this is in Luke chapter 4, he started out quoting Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 starts off, says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. So as I'm reading this out, hear this for yourself this is the continuing ministry of jesus this is as he um rose you know ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the father this is what he has left for us as the church to continuing to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He stopped there. Now that we're 2,000 years later, you could probably keep going. It says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Then it goes to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. And it's really good reading to read the rest of that chapter. Um, so what, what, the whole message here this morning is really 
about the fact that there is an awakening, an awakening of that call, that anointing upon us. We are here for this purpose. Um, so there's there's going to be there's going to be a great increase on what happens in your life because of that ministry. It was once pointed out to me, and I think I've shared this before, but you know where he says, he talks about the captives and then he talks about the prisoners. And the difference between the two is that captives are those who kind of didn't do anything wrong, but they've been caught and imprisoned. But prisoners are those who did something wrong, got caught, punished, and they're, they're prisoners. doesn't matter. The, the gates are open for both. And the thing is, this is a really important key, is that when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, he physically died on the cross, went down into hell, came back three days later in a glorified, resurrected body with all the authority of King of Kings. At that point, those prison doors were open. So you don't have to pray for prison doors or prisoners to be let loose today. They have been let loose 2,000 years ago. We just have to lead them out of the open prison into freedom. You know, you know the good news is you don't have to be a prisoner anymore. The door's open. And there was a classic example there in the book of Acts where that literally happened for Paul and Silas. You know, the angel, get up, son. Let's go. All right. Um. And I've got here a little note. The church is, is more than just the continuing ministry of Jesus. You are the continuing ministry of Jesus. It's not just Jesus doing something kind of remotely. You are the continuing ministry of Jesus. So, um, so the question I wanted to pose, that I started to, to pose right back in the beginning was, if this is, if this is the church's greatest days does the church actually change is is there a a change in the church and the answer is no because the scripture that describes the church was written 2000 years ago and it applies today exactly the same nothing nothing changes and that applies to the church in china the hidden church in china the church in north korea the church in south america japan russia australia where it's the same, the same church. What has changed is there is an awakening of who we are in the church and what our call is and what our enabling is and our, the anointing. All right. Um, so there's going to be a return to the clarity of the scripture. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, and the disciples were grappling with, this is not working out how I thought it was going to work out. So Jesus sat down with them and, and he opened the scriptures to them. And they understood how it all worked. And because they only had the Old Testament at the time. So the, I, I really believe that there's a, you know, as we read the word and really read it, there's going to be an opening of the scriptures to us. Things where we go, oh my gosh, I never saw that. And, and, and you know, I never connected that scripture with that scripture. And oh my gosh, there's, a, there's, there's something rich there. 
I believe that's coming. In fact, it's already here. Um, there's, a greater re- there's a return to um, tuning in to the Spirit of God. Um, you know the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation? Each one basically ends with this. He who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. You've got the word, so the, so the letters came written, but then he says, hear what I'm saying. It's really important that we as a church, we hear what he is saying. Um, there's also this thing about when we move and work, and Matthew mentioned it this morning, when we're out there in the world, we are shining as light. And, as, and the darker it gets... Nothing changes with our light, but it appears brighter. It actually has more effect. The, the darker it gets, the more effect it has. Um, and the wonderful thing about light, of course, is that it dispels darkness. Okay. Um, so let me get to this point. Um, everything that was normal, consider it gone. We are now living in extraordinary days so this is what i believe is going to can i just speak now prophetically this is what i believe is going to happen first within the church there's going to be a rise in worship Uh, and i'm really serious about there's going to be a rise in worship there's going to be something where we will want to um, wait in worship and hold there and stay there and you know the clock is ticking don't care you know, we've been in worship services where the worship itself went for two or three hours before the word. And there's a, um, there's a heart within us that hungers for that. You know the sound of that? <laughs> My first pastor, Pam's uncle, Neville Wedrad, he says, I love the sound of the calves in the stool. <laughs> and... Um, that's precious. Thank you, Lord. Um, we need to release ourselves into that, though. You know, don't be afraid to um, stay. Just stay in worship. Um, and because out of worship comes everything. All right. There is a rising. Now, I've done these in, in what I think is kind of like a descending order. So first, worship. Second, arising a new fear of the Lord. A real... Don't touch that. Don't, don't speak against that person. Don't, don't compromise. Don't play with worldly things and think that it's okay with God. You know, one of the common expressions you hear is when people are going sidetracked a little bit, they go, oh, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. That should scare you. It should scare you enough that you will go... Um, you know, there's, the, there's the, the fear of the Lord. Then there's the, the love of the Lord. And we don't want to do anything out of, my God, I'm terrified. We want to do it out of, he loves me so much that I, I just want to throw everything at him. Give him absolutely everything. Anyway, if we don't, that's going to come. Right. Um, there's coming a crystal clarity of time and place where we really understand who we are in God and we are 
here for this particular moment or we are there for that particular moment. And I really believe, can I just say this to you guys, you guys over there, you'll probably know this, where you just know that you're where you're supposed to be. This is a God moment. And it's not, this, is, this is not where um, it happens occasionally. I believe in the way that Jesus walked is that every day, every step that he took, he knew that I'm on track. And, and the driving line behind him was this, I'm here to do my Father's will. And there's this thing where it's rising up within us, I'm here to do my Father's will. And everything else kind of just grays away. And, that be, and it's becoming crystal clear. Like it's almost like you're being called into um, an anointing. You, you know, you're being called into such a time as this. There's going to come... There's, there's, and you're going to come to that place where you feel that actually happening to you. Um, I love this one. I believe there's a true unity coming. A true unity where we will just totally love each other with an, an unreasonable love. You know, all of the factors should go, no, don't associate with that person. And yet you'll go, I just love them. Um, I don't agree with almost everything they say. But they're a fellow believer and I just love them. I once had this, um, I won't say argument with the Lord. Um, a lot of things happened and I was, um, you know, I'd been expecting certain things to happen and, none, and nothing happened on time or, you know, didn't, things didn't happen at all actually. And... Um, and I was very disappointed and kind of heartbroken and kind of going, what's your problem? And because um, I was thinking, in Scripture, I think James says, you know, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. And, I, and I'll show you, I'll tell you. And, um, and I was thinking, you know, I think that at, at latest count, there's something like 24,000 different church denominations around the world. And every one of them kind of goes, we have just a little bit more revelation of the truth than all of you guys. You know, we're, we're just one step up here. You know, every one of those things that because the head person of that movement got on their knees and said, Lord, show me what you want me to do. And Lord shows me and goes, great, this is my thing. I'm going to do this. You know, and all you people, you need to get in line behind me and follow my example. So now we've got you know, 24,000 different people all thinking that they're the head of whatever is going on. And I was just putting this before God and going, how, how does this work? You know? And of course the Lord said nothing. And I was left to nut it out. And it took probably a year for me you know, dwelling on this and churning it over my mind. And what really the Lord showed me in that is, is this. That you know, everyone has a slice of the truth. You know, we all have our particular bent, but just because we are we are totally, you know, um, you know, let's say you're an evangelist and everything you do is just evangelism, and you don't understand why people want to just worship and pray. You know, forget that. Get out and get on the street. You know, understand that. I understand that. I want something on what you've got, and I want something on what you got. And I can learn from you guys 
and I can learn from you guys. You know, I've got a really good friend who's Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And we are like this. We love each other. We love each other. We've been friends since we were nine. He's a Seventh-day Adventist. He's the fact, you know, and I'm Pentecostal. It never comes into the equation. We really just enjoy each other's company and we talk about the things of God. All right. Anyway, so I learned out of that to always look at people and go, there's something so precious about you. Uh, I'm not really too concerned about what your doctrine might be um, because it'll be as wonky as mine. You know? I remember, um, can't think of the guy who did all the journaling thing in America now. Anyway, yeah, I can't think of his name now, but he, he, he was the guy who inspired us to do journaling. Anyway, one of his favourite lines was, don't bother agreeing with me, I've already changed my mind. So. <laughs> all right. Um, Fresh visions and fresh dreams are ordained for these days. He actually said they're ordained for these days. We can expect them. We can even ask for them. We can um, put ourselves into this. Dreams, Lord, I want dreams. You know, that's why I had those two dreams and I, and I knew that they were from the Lord. I don't have dreams like that every day. Thank God. But when they do happen, I need to... Take note of what they are. Um, and you are going to have dreams. And you are going to say, can I say that, you know, Murray's going to have dreams. Um, you are going to have visions. <laughs> now, I don't think it works as cleanly as that. But um, there is an awakening and a, a rising of this stuff. Um, this is our destiny. This is our inheritance. You said that this morning, David, our inheritance um, yes, yeah, so good. Okay. Um, and also, can I say this? Especially for us older ones, there is an awakening of old dreams. Things that didn't go how you thought it was going to go. You put it on the back burner. You kind of moved on. If that was really of God, be um, ready for the awakening of some old dreams. Um, Expect God to disturb your sleep. Um, right. Now, um, and also just within us, there is a, um, an increase of the calling. You, you're going to feel like you are called. In fact, I, I even think this morning that there's going to be people here this morning who will feel like they are called, like there's something has changed. Um, um, just going back to Tegan, I know that she's probably around the corner somewhere. Um, when, when I was very first saved, uh, up in a church in Atherton with um, Pam's uncle as our pastor, um, he got up one morning and he said, there's someone here with a prophetic word. You never, you've never brought a prophetic word before and it's going to happen this morning and right now there are butterflies in your stomach thinking about it. And uh, I was sitting there and going, oh, that's Brian, that's Brian for sure. That's, that's, yeah, he's going to do it. And then I had the butterflies myself. And, and there's nothing more nervous than when it's happening to you. And, and um, so when, when I eventually got up and came around and got the microphone, and I think I shouted out, I was so terrified. But anyway, that was the first. And um, 
Uh, so can I say that there are going to be butterflies in your gut. There's going to be things happening. And uh, for those of, of you who are already well experienced in um, being on the front line, there's a shift coming to that. There's an increase. There's a, um, another level of intensity to that and clarity. Um, uh, there's a, a really strong anointing these days for the call of God, pulling people out. Okay. Uh, now, as we minister out to people, remember that all of those things from Isaiah 61 are going to flow. We can believe for them and expect them. Um, whatever we loose or bind on earth is going to be loosed and bound in heaven. That's his word. That's his promise. Um, in Revelation, it says, when God opens a door, no one can shut it. When he shuts a door, no one can open it. Is that right? Did I say that right? Um, yes, yeah, so he has complete authority. Okay, now evangelists, can I say this to you? This is one of the things that really excited me. Watch out for contraflow. That means that, you know, you're sharing Christ with someone and um, they're rejecting it and uh, your words are bouncing off. Um, be prepared for them. You know, they walk away and go, oh, that was a stupid fool, you know, fancy trying to talk about that religious crap, you know. Um, and then they're going to start to feel, oh, my gosh, what's happening to me? Why do I suddenly feel pulled and drawn into the church? What is happening to me? Against their better judgment, against their own will, they're going to find themselves coming to Christ. And in that process, the joy of their salvation is something that we have probably not really seen. When people get saved, some people are going to get saved as if they got plucked out of the flames. So even though people reject what you say, when, you, when, when you know, you're trying to share the truth of the word, don't look at their faces or what they say. It'll have no bearing on what is actually going to happen. And God is going to rescue people even against their own will. People saying, oh, I'm not having anything to do with that. Yes, you are. I remember listening online, I was listening to this guy who was one of the doctors in a pro-life, sorry, in a, what do you call it in America? Uh, would they abort babies? Eh? Yeah, they, you know, it's, um, yes, they, anyway, this guy had aborted probably about 1,500 babies and, um, and had actually gone somewhere. And um, I don't know whether he was a guest speaker there, but um, anyway, he said this little old lady came up to him. She was only about this high, and she come up and she looked up at him and she said, "Oh, I just want to thank you for coming. Um, it's really lovely to to, to see you, um, and God bless you. And you know, um, you know, God, God's really going to direct your paths." And and he said, "Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, lady, that um, I don't share your." your um your beliefs and your ideas that sort of stuff and and she and, and he said she looked up at him and smiled and says not yet <laughs> and he said it took about seven years but he's now one of the most vocal voices against abortion in america and um yeah so um okay uh will we have um oh yes this is another one. You know, the Old Testament ends with this word. Um, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. 
That's how the Old Testament ends. Now, I believe that in, this, in these days, what we're going to see is a restoration of the family. So if you look at the family now, it's, one of, it's, it's, the, um, it's the entity or the structure that's most under attack. You know, we have almost everything that's contrary to family functioning out there, even written into law. It's like the family, it's been um, destroyed, pulled apart, written off and thrown in the bin. And yet God is going to restore families. And you're going to see it happen before your eyes. And can I say this? Um, When the world says, oh, that's impossible. As soon as you hear the word impossible, let that ring a bell where you go, oh, finally, thank God. Now I know it's going to happen. Because God is going to take the impossible and make it possible. He's going to take that very thing. So the world is going to actually show you how it has completely demolished your argument and set up a new truth and it will be very confident in how well it's done. And God will say, I am now going to show you how I'm going to take the wisdom of the world and turn it on its head. And so even everything they do is going to be tipped upside down. Okay, We are going to see increased opposition. I think that that's a, um, it's obvious. Um, this era is going to be marked by black and white extremes. Um, irrational logic. You only have to go online and look at stuff on YouTube to see irrational arguments, uh, especially about the trans stuff and all that. Uh, completely, there's no logic whatsoever. Um, but it doesn't mean that the world is winning because the gates of hell cannot prevail. As we advance, as we go about our business, the church advances all the time. It never, ever retreats. Um, Divine encounters. You're going to have divine appointments. Watch out for left field. Can I say that again? Watch out for things coming out at you from left field. Things that you hadn't accounted for, allowed for, planned. It's going to come out. There are going to be divine appointments that will be completely off the chart. Um, Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Um, Watch out for the unusual and the suddenly. Suddenly, these things are going to happen. All right. And these are days of faith. These are really days of faith. And um, where's, where's Dave Sealer? He's in there. Okay. D- Dave is a real um, example of a man of faith. And, and there's a faith anointing on Dave um, that's even going to blow his mind as he steps out into um, really unusual stuff. If I could just say, Dave... Um, be prepared for the unusual, the weird. Can I say that in God? Left field. And there are going to be ideas. I know I've already said this to you before. There's going to be thoughts that are going to pop into your head, Dave, where you're going to, that's just, uh, that's just, that's just too crazy, too crazy. But it's going to get lodged in you and you can't shake it off. Because God has called you to press through and to bring things to pass that are impossible through faith in prayer. So don't hold, you know, you've already stepped way out. Step out even further. And can I say also, this is, 
these things, there's, a, there's a, an anointing, a call on many people here this morning to step out beyond where they have been comfortable. No more the usual. No more business as usual. There's a, there's a ramping up um, of anointing, of release and power. Um, now let me just close off by just saying this. If you are not yet a part of the church, if, if you could say honestly before God that, you know, if I suddenly got bumped off, I don't know where I would stand, then this is the time to say, I want to be a part of the church. It's the only game in town. I want to be a part of that because I'm safe, secure. I have a future. There is a plan over my life of a calling, um, preordained, you know, predestined calling on my life and to fulfill that. I, I encourage you this morning, if that's you, then to talk to someone this morning about that and we can pray with you and lead you through that. Thank you.